You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast, recorded in Scottsdale, Arizona. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com. Uh, you're joining us kind of in the middle. We ended our Acts series, ended our series of the book of Acts. Uh, we didn't get through the whole book, but uh, seasonally we're done. And uh, then we're starting a, a series coming up next week called Lyric that focuses on the Psalms. And specifically what it focuses on is, is that the Psalms were not written in an echo chamber. They weren't written at a cushy art school. They weren't written on a songwriter retreat. They were written in the middle of it. Has anyone ever been in the middle of it? You're just, you're in it. And that's where the Psalms are written. And so we're going to talk a lot about in this series starting next week, how do we have the daily liturgy of our life? How do we, how do we worship the Lord? How do we uh, pray, encounter, talk with, live with God? H- how are we walking that out, whether we are uh, feel like a king or we're hiding in a cave? How do we walk that out? So we got uh, some great messages lined up, really incredible psalms, excited for that. But, but, but today, we're talking about baptism, baptism. <laughs> I got excited. But uh, we're talking about baptism, and, and this morning I want to talk, before uh, we, we uh, have a baptism this morning, I want to talk about why is baptism significant? You're here this morning, why should you care about baptism? And I really believe that baptism is significant not only just because of what we do or what the person does or the water thing or whatever. It's significant because of what it says about Jesus Christ. And in the end, can I tell you, it's all about Jesus. And so it's significant because what it says about Jesus. And and I believe that, you know, we have this symbol that's an outward reflection of an inner transformation. And when we really understand baptism... I, my my belief and my prayer and what I what I know to be true is when people can get a hold of what baptism is, they're kind of like uh, when Carson shared about the Ethiopian. They're, they're kind of like the Ethiopian who says, hey, see, there's water. What would keep me from being baptized? And so if you have come into the church and maybe you've encountered baptism or, or encountered in some religious sense baptism, I just want to encourage you this morning. We're going to pray together, but I'm going to pray that our hearts and our mind would be open. So however you came into this place, for the next three and a half hours that I preach, uh, the next 20 minutes, can, uh, can, can we just agree that our hearts and our minds will be open? Then we'll say together, regardless of whether you're like, who is this guy, why am I here, I'm not a big on the church thing, or you're like, I love church, I couldn't wait to get here. Whatever it is, we're just going to say our hearts are going to be open and our eyes are going to be open and then we're going to decide together. But we're not going to come in with anything, we're just going to say, God, would you speak to my heart? So let's pray together. We on the same page this morning, church. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you that when we come into this place, that our desire is not for our greatness but for yours. And God, our desire is, God, would you move in our life. And so I pray this morning that you would move on our hearts and on our minds and that they would be softened and open to your word this morning, that our lives might be changed, transformed, renewed, and released into our week with a greater purpose than we could ever imagine. In your name. Amen. Amen. I want to say thank you, man, to all the great people. I was singing these videos even as I was praying. Just thank you, Chandler, for all your hard work, man. Seriously. Chandler puts these things together, and he sends me text messages, and he's so hard on himself. And then he sends me the link, and I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> so I just want to say thank you, man. We really appreciate you. Appreciate you, Kelly. Thank you guys for all that you do and all, you, all the ministries you do. So we want to honor you guys. Love you. Thank you so much. And I'm going to drink this coffee.
It was interesting. When I was uh, young, I loved water. Uh, water is that wet stuff. We don't have a lot of it here. It comes out of your hose at 150 degrees, uh, <laughs> whatever it is here. Uh, and I, I, I loved water when I was a kid. I loved uh, fishing. I loved boating. I loved going to the, you know, I lived kind of right on this hill. And on one side was a valley with a river. The other side was a Puget Sound. Uh, the Puget Sound, for those who don't know, is kind of like a bay that got out of control. And so on one side is the Puget Sound. The other one is uh, a river. And I loved that as a kid. I loved Water, because we had rivers that were full of water, not scorpions. And uh, <laughs> there's many things I love about Arizona. I love Arizona. I love living here, but the rivers are a lie. <laughs> First time I saw a river in Arizona, I was like, so you mean big old ditch. <laughs> That's what you mean. <laughs> uh, and so I, I loved going fishing, and my dad and I would go fishing. And the thing that you learn when you're fishing pretty quickly um, is you learn how to read the river, and you learn uh, a respect for water. And, and you learn this because uh, you either learn it the, the good way or the hard way be, because you're, you're standing in it. And here's the interesting thing when you're fishing is you have waders on. And I started with waders that came up um, to, like, up here, and they hooked to your belt. I later upgraded because of this story. Uh, and... <laughs> My dad's back there. I just need to apologize for my dad. As I preach more, I'm going to tell all these stories from my childhood that we didn't tell mom. So you can't fight with him after the sermon because we're going to believe lives are changed. So you can't fight. I'm going to share these. I don't know if he told you any of this. So, so just heads up. Moms know your dad, the dad's telling the kid this, so just be prepared. So we're crossing this river, and we love to fish, and, I, and we would cross the river. And the river that we would cross, I would say, if I'm on one bank... Nick Hare in the sound booth is on the other bank. So that's about the length of the river. And the funny thing about water to me is it's so fun and beautiful and life-giving. But if you try to cross a river like this, you will fully feel the weight and intensity of water. The water is not even in, in the slightest sense affected by you. That if you try to cross this, the push and the weight against you as you're trying to like slowly go across is so immense that it can take your feet right out from underneath you. And so uh, we were fishing one time on the Skycomish, and I was trying to cross this kind of shorter, lighter section of the Skycomish River. It was the upper fork, and I crossed fine, no problem. But it was raining because, surprise, it's always raining. And as I crossed the river, I was fine. But three hours later, when I had to hike back and cross down, the waters had risen up. And I don't know if you guys remember what I just said about the waders, but there's a, there's a water level, then there's the wader level, and there's not a lot of grace. And so the higher the water goes, the closer it is to the waders. Waders are amazing because they keep you dry when you should be wet. They're also terrible because they're kind of like water parachutes in that once they begin to fill with water, they, it's kind of like they reach their full absorption potential and that they fill all the way full of water. So as I'm crossing back this river, and it's beautiful. I'm like, I love the water in the Northwest, you know, Northwesty people. And it's like, I love the water. And all of a sudden, I step down into a hole and fills my waders with water. And in that moment, um, the dad probably wasn't there, Mom. Uh, don't worry. <laughs> it just sucks me under the water. Because I've now gone from 
And you would think, like, oh, it's full of water. It's totally fine. You're, like, equal with the water. Nay, nay. They are water parachutes. And the water is moving so quickly that what happens is it just sucks you down. And you are now on the bottom, kind of moving along the bottom of the river. But you're like, you're exaggerating. Well, I'll take you up. I'll show you. <laughs> and, and you just move along the bottom to the point where you have to unsnap your waders and then wriggle your foot off. Has anyone ever tried to get any kind of like rubber material off of you when you're wet and it's wet? It's impossible. So you try to wiggle out. And, and I thought to myself, like, I love water. I love the river. I love all these things. And here it is trying to kill me. And there's this balance. There, there's always been, I didn't die. I'm not a ghost speaking to you today. I'm alive and I made it and all these things. And I learned to get the higher waders. But it's funny because water is so, like, beautiful and we love it. But it's also so powerful. And when it's in its form, when it's moving, when it's flowing, when it's going, you kind of realize, like, how much power it has and how little it cares about you. Then remember the first time you just got hammered by a wave? Like the first time you tried to like boogie board or surf or anything, just, just demolished. It, it is a crazy feeling because you understand this thing that I would wash my hands with that, that is, is cleansing and I love and I drink and I need it to survive, right? It will also totally crush me under its power. And really, this dichotomy, this balance has existed from the beginning of time. That from the beginning of time, people have, we've had this unique relationship with water. And that's why it has been seen as a dual-fold symbol. That water is seen as a symbol of life. We need water here to drink. We need water here to survive. We need water here to live. We need, we need water here. Right now, some of you guys are like, I'm parched. I could use some water. We need water. Water is good. We wash our hands with it. Water is good. But the dual-fold, the other side is Water also does things like floods, tsunamis, massive rivers, mighty oceans, all of these things that are at this incredible scale. And so it's represented twofold things really throughout all history, life and death. And when we read scripture, and this is why it's important this morning because I want to give us some context. When we read scripture, the ancient Near East writers, when they would write the Old Testament, when they would write scripture to them, water in this scale represented chaos. It represented death. At this scale, it represented something uncontrollable and mighty. And, and as a people, the ancient Near East writers who wrote uh, in that time, and, and the writers of the Old Testament and other writers and other cultures, they, they valued order. Because as people, we're prone to chaos. And we, we just so desire order. And so they valued order. In fact, when, when in the Bible we read about creation, it's that waters covered the surface of the earth and that the spirit hovered over the, and that darkness hovered over it. And that what God does when he creates in, in the earth is he makes order and he brings up order. He brings up land out of chaos and death. And he brings something out of death. And so from the beginning of scripture, and again, just for context, since the dawn of time, we desired order. And then there was kind of this symbolic representation of both life and chaos and death. And at the beginning of the Bible, the Bible kicks off with God showing his power by doing what? Bringing something up out of water. Is everyone with me this morning? Now, you didn't know you were going to Old Testament school today. <laughs> 
See, man, we, we can't, we try, but we can't control the ocean. Just watch the news, and every couple of years it is visibly apparent that we cannot control the ocean. As much as I might try, I can't make it rain. And you might think the government's got that technology, but okay. Um, <laughs> or whatever it is. If anyone's seen a flood move through your town, I have. It's crazy. You can't, you can't stop it. So there's this uncontrollable thing. And so since the beginning of time, there was this truth that the, the God who had the power over water had the power over chaos and death. That was the symbol that existed. The symbol was a God who had power over water had power over chaos and death. And here's the theme. Is everyone tracking with me this morning? There's a, there's a theme here all throughout scripture. Follow me here in creation like I just shared. God has power over the chaos, over the deep and the water, and he raises up, and he begins to make a separation and a division and a clarity and order. Think about uh, Noah and the flood. The flood comes, and water is good, right? Thousands and thousands and millions and billions of gallons of water is not great. And the flood comes, and Noah, by the favor of God, and the provision of God is put on a boat, him and his family, and they're taken through the waters onto dry land. They're taken through death and destruction, and they're brought to salvation. Think of Israel. Israel, God brings them up out of slavery. He brings them up out of their slavery, after, out of their captivity, after they've cried out for salvation. And he brings them up and out. But what do they meet? They meet the Red Sea. And they meet this moment, and in the moment they're facing something who symbolically represents both life and death. God says, I'm going to part that. You think you're going to die. They're crying out, man, Egypt's going to catch us. They're going to kill us. I thought you brought us out for salvation. And God says, okay, here, let me get that for you. And he just moves it aside, and they go through, and he brings them through the waters into salvation. Are you still with me this morning? Israel comes from the desert, the land of death, and, and, and the place where they were wandering. And, and they come to the point where they're going to go into the promised land. What does God bring them through again? The water. He, cross, he brings them through the Jordan, and he creates a separation. From the beginning of time, from creation, we follow do, 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 all the way that God has made a pattern and using water as a symbol to bring people up out of a position of death into a position of salvation. When we see even Jonah, we're going to do a series of Jonah in the fall, that Jonah has been called by God to bring salvation to Nineveh, to bring hope to Nineveh, but he flees and he leaves. And he encounters a storm and they're going to drown. And so they throw him into the water. And in the water, the place of chaos and swirling death where he should drown and die, God sends a, a big fish, a whale, to swallow him and to bring him from chaos and death into the place of salvation. Let's keep going in the Bible. I'm, we're going to all Bible history today. Jesus Christ had a thing about water. The disciples on a boat in a storm, Jesus asleep. They say, we're going to die. We're going to drown. This is our death. This is our place. They have no power. They have no control. They cannot make it. What does Jesus get up and do? He calms the storms. He calms the waves. He tells this force, this mighty uncontrollable from the dawn of time that we've understood as life and death. He gets up and he speaks to that. Jesus says, I am the living water and I control the chaotic death water. I, I have control over that. He's establishing his authority, the authority of Jesus Christ. And, and this is what's so crazy is that Jesus was fully man, fully God. And when he's calming water, he's not just doing so for the situation that they're in. He's doing so 
historically and symbolically to say the same God from the beginning of time that brought order to chaos and life where there should be death, I too am going to do the same, that though we are in the waters that symbolize the death and the chaos, I'm going to bring us into salvation. So that you and I, when we stand and we look, we look at a Jesus Christ who is showing his authority that he isn't conquering water, he's conquering death. Jesus says, chaos, death, I walk on that. The thing that's uncontrollable, that you have no power over, I walk on that. I walk on water. I step into your situation and the storm is calm. What you think is chaos and death, I'm going to bring you to the other side into salvation. See, what Jesus is doing in that ministry isn't something that's profoundly different than God has been doing from the beginning of time. It's just a little closer for us. But from the beginning of time, God has been revealing his theme, which is I love my people and I want to bring them from slavery through death and into salvation and into life. Are you with me this morning? And so Jesus, when he defeated death, hell, and the grave, he brings us from death to salvation. I think that's why Jesus started his mission with baptism. Did you know Jesus started and ended his mission with baptism? They were both important. Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. Even Jesus was baptized, guys. In Matthew 3, he's baptized really as a, a fulfillment of the prophecy. A fulfillment of, of this whole thread that's been coming through that here he comes, the one who will once again bring us like in Israel out of slavery, through death and destruction, into salvation. And when Jesus rises up from the grave, when he defeats death, hell, and the grave, he rises up and he ends his earthly mission. He started his mission by being baptized. He ends it now by telling his disciples to do something. Matthew 28, 18 through 19, it says this. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the day of the age. It says right here, all authority has been given to me. Now go and baptize. All authority. What he's saying is go and baptize, meaning go and take the, the, this symbolic transformation and this death to life moment that he has illustrated on the cross. That God has forecast throughout all of time and go and stamp that authority on the hearts of those who would believe that they are now a part of that authority through baptism. Amen, kids church. Yo, kids church is getting down. <laughs> And so baptism is really a crucial symbol of what God has done through all time, bring salvation. It's a symbol in what he's done through Jesus, bring salvation. And he's a symbol, amen, in what he's done in us, which is bring salvation. It's all about salvation over death. And it's an outward symbol, right? Again, water is a symbol. Don't read too much into the metaphor. Get what God is trying to say here is that it's an outward symbol of what's happening in our heart, of an inward, what we have received when we are baptized, we're displaying that we are united with Christ, that over all time has led to this moment. So our baptism is a unity, a uniting with Jesus Christ and his salvation. And I love that phrase, united with Christ. The phrase in Christ is all throughout scripture. And I want to read to you a scripture this morning, and it's going to be just our main scripture. And I'll just share briefly, and then we're going to do something pretty cool. Uh, but it's Romans 
6, 3 through 11. Holy smokes. <laughs> I know we're talking about a staff meeting. Uh, <laughs> now, how many of you guys just love that our kids are just stoked right now? Yeah, amen. If you guys see anybody wearing an orange shirt, can you thank them? Can, can I just tell you honestly uh, that the church would not be the church without people who faithfully go behind these walls and care for kids. And uh, to be fair, my daughter is one of those kids, and I wouldn't work here if we didn't have good kids people. I know why. <laughs> and our kids ministry is amazing. So, hey, orange shirt, rock and roll. If you see anybody rocking an orange shirt, please say thank you. Thank, thank uh, Carson and Stacy K. We just want to value them. Anyways, we're moving on. I love it. It's life in the church. Amen. So let's read together Romans 6, 3 through 11, because I believe there's an incredible pattern here, and I hope you receive this. Again, keep in your heart and your mind this idea of all through time God's been setting up this pattern of bringing his people out of slavery through death into life. So let's, let's read together in verse 3. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self, remember that old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin, our body, our, our sin life might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion or some translations say power over him. For the death he died to sin once and for all, but the life he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive. Somebody say alive. Alive to God in Christ Jesus. Thank you, brother. I love the pattern that exists in this scripture. And follow me here as, as we go through this really quick, uh, but, but it's important. And I, and I hope that you get it here this morning. Is there's a pattern uh, in this scripture that is all through history, but is important here when it comes to salvation. First thing it says is died to sin with Christ. That he took our sin and shame. You know, when Christ died on the cross, whether or not you've gotten to the point where, where you can really, like, let it go, do you know that he already took your sin and shame to the cross? He already went there for you, and you're like, I don't know how he could ever do it. Too bad he already did it. It's already there. He already took it to the cross. All the sin, all the shame, all the, all the pain, all the brokenness that you feel, all this isolation, separation, all this depression, all these things that the enemy has tried to put on you and that we have committed our hearts to, you know what, God already took the Jesus took those to the cross. And it says he died, our sin died with Christ. He paid the price for us. Then it says, follow this, we were buried. This is important, these steps. It died, it was taken to the cross, it died with Christ. We were buried, is what it says next. Our old sin life was taken to the cross, but Jesus took it from there to the grave and he buried it. And can I tell you, when Jesus rose from the grave, you know what stayed in the grave was your sin and your brokenness, it's buried, it's dead, it's gone. It doesn't got to raise up with you. It's there. When Jesus rose, he came and he brought life. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19. And I share the scripture probably every other week because I want us to memorize it and know it and have it in our heart and commit it to our memory. But I'm going to read it again here. But therefore, if anyone is in Christ, 
The new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. When you are united with Christ in his burial, when, when, when your old life is buried, when you give it to him, when it goes to the cross, when we accept, God, I need a savior, and it goes with him, it's buried with him, and he doesn't hold it against you. Other people might judge you. Other people might put you down. Other people might call you a mess or names or whatever it is, but God does not hold it against you. It says he does not count people's sins against them. And then it says this, raised from dead, that we might walk in the newness of life. you got to really enunciate that one. That we might walk in the newness of life. The old is gone, the new has come. When we're raised to life, we don't come to this like baseline, thank you, we're not dead, we're barely struggling. God brings us out into a new life. Colossians 2.12. I want you to hear this this morning. It says this, for you were buried with Christ when you were baptized. And with him you were raised to new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. It says you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive in Christ for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. This is important this morning. Baptism, why does it have to symbolize both? Why does water have to symbolize de life and death? Because it's important that sometimes we like to reject. And, I, man, I love, I should have just preached the, the message Jamin gave a couple months ago. It was amazing. But I love that we like to put away the idea of death. But we got to accept both, church. We got to accept both with Christ. That being united with Christ means we are united in the death and in the life. We die to our old selves. That means that our old self, our old sin nature, the things that we used to be a slave to, we got we to gotta let it die with him. We can't keep going back to dead things, picking at dead bones, trying to bring out the dead body. That's dead. That's our old self. It's gone. We have to fully die to that. God, I don't have all the answers. I don't know. I got to wait till I figure it all out. No, God's just saying die to that old self that kept you a slave to sin and brokenness and loneliness and depression and isolation. Let that go. Follow Christ's example and lay it down. Dying to our old sin, our old shame. And then the other part, death and then life, the raising up. When we are raised up, we are raised up into new life. We're raised out of the grave symbolically in baptism. And it says, I'm coming out of death, out of my old self, out of my old sin and shame, out of the judgment that I feel on my heart and my life that weighs so heavy on me. And I feel like I'm scratching and fighting and battling, but I'm always still sad. Out of that and into life and into joy. And just like God took Israel and he takes them out of slavery because they're crying out for salvation and he brings them up out of Israel and they encounter water and they think, surely we're going to be dead. He says, no, I'm bringing you up out of it into a new life that you would live in the promised land for us that we would not be a slave anymore, but that we would be free. Does anyone be free this morning? Does anyone want to be free from the old junk that held us down? Amen. I love that, that when, I, when you raise up, 
In baptism, when you, when you raise up, you're raising out of your sin life, saying, I'm not a slave to that anymore. I want to look a little crazy getting dunked in water because I'm raising up out of a sin. I'm not a slave to that. Galatians 2.20, one of my favorite verses says, for I have been crucified with Christ. Here, both, both things, the life and the death here. For I have been crucified with Christ and no longer live, but Christ lives in me. For the life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's for you this morning. Can I tell you that verse, it's all about Jesus. Baptism, we do it, but it's all about Jesus. It's a symbol. I, I can't save myself. I can't die to my old self. I need Jesus to do that. See, I can lay it down in shame every day and say tomorrow I'm going to do better. That's not how this works. I lay down my old self with Jesus and I say, Jesus, I need you. Thank you for your love. I need you, God. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. I need you, God. I lay it down and I'm raised up into the hope with him. It's a symbol. It's you and me, Jesus. It's you and me. I think of it kind of like my wedding ring. You know, if you get married and you don't have a wedding ring, does that mean you're not married? No, of course. Just like if, if you give your heart to Christ and you don't get baptized and you leave here and, you know, you die, you, does that mean? No. That's not what I'm saying. But think of, think of the symbol here. Just like if you found a wedding ring on the ground and put it on, does that mean you're married? Right? If you're six and someone puts a wedding ring on your finger, does that mean you're married? Or should it probably be a covenant of your heart? I, I, that, was, was that, too, that was too close. <laughs> There's no amens on that one. But, but I, I believe that it's about the covenant of the heart. And I'm not negating anything that anyone has done or has not done or will not do. But just saying I believe it's about the heart. Just like when I look at my wedding ring, I believe that there has to be a covenant here that marriage has to be this covenant that, that just like marriage, baptism is an outward display of an inward heart commitment. And I choose to wear this ring. And it was really uncomfortable at first. It was really awkward. And I always hit it when I play guitar, do literally anything, work, do tile, concrete. I would just smash it. And, and it was awkward at first, but I wore it because it was an outward display of what my heart had committed to. It was an outward display of a covenant that my heart had made. It's an outward showing everybody what, what I want them to know, that it's you and me, that we're together, that I'm committed to you, that I'm with you, that my heart is yours. This is my wife, by the way. It's not a stranger. <laughs> but the same thing is true with Christ. In baptism, it's a symbol. See, why would I not wear my ring? My wife is amazing. My wife has changed so much about my life, and I love her so much. I literally can't even imagine being w without her. She's literally the best thing about me, and it has nothing to do with me. So why would I not wear my ring? I hope she wears her ring because she's a catch, and I got it on the ground floor. But people want, you know, they, they think she's hot, and they're into her, and I'm like, wear that ring so they know. You know, <laughs> I wear my ring too because I want people to know. The same thing is true with baptism. Can I tell you, Jesus Christ 
He came into my life and he changed me. And I was angry and I would get angry and I would just be angry all the time. And I would be depressed because I would get angry. And Jesus came into my life and he took that from me and he freed me from it. And I think, why wouldn't I want to give a symbol? I wish I could paint baptism on my body just so people would know that I've received something. I went down into the water furious and I raised up faithful. And now I'm living in the freedom of Jesus Christ. And just like the ring, I want people to know and it testifies to what God has done in my heart. I don't got all the answers. I didn't when I was baptized, but I believed, you know what, it's you and me, Jesus. We still got this. And you got grace even when I'm a mess. But it's a symbol in my life of what you're doing in my heart. And so I just got to get in that water. I just got to get in there. I want to know. I want to show people that something's going on in my life. And Jesus, I just, I just want to show you I'm with you. I want the world to know that it testifies to his goodness, but I also want to know that it testifies in my weakness. Follow me here. Baptism testifies to the world of the goodness of God, but can I tell you it testifies to you in your weakness. Here's why. When temptation comes, when the waves kind of rise up around us, when things begin to come up around us, just like I look to my wedding ring and remember the covenant of the heart, how much I love my wife, I look to my baptism and I remember that I'm free, that I'm not a slave to sin. When the enemy comes in and he tries to convince me and he tries to, tries to trick me and lie to me and tell me that I'm this, I'm that, I'm this old person, I say, you know what, I distinctly remember having someone put me underwater, which is a memorable experience, and uh, I, I died to that. That's not who I am. I'm this person who's alive and free. And when I'm tempted to go back to my old self, I'm not saying I don't sin. Definitely not holy enough for that. <laughs> but when I'm tempted to go back and return to my old self, I, I look just like a ring and I look to the promise and the symbol and I remember that I'm no longer a slave. God has brought me up out of my slavery, through death, into life, and that the enemy can bring whatever he wants, but he can't make me forget that at one point I was dead and then I was brought back up into life and now I'm free. So not only does it testify to the world about his goodness, but most importantly, can I tell you, it testifies to your heart and your weakness. It says, no, 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 no. I'm a child of God. I'm a freed man. I'm not a slave. I'm free. I think, you know, as people, really the way we show we're serious about something is, we, is our actions. I can tell my wife I love her all the time, but if, I, if I'm never, like, there or do anything, or then it's kind of like it's just words. One of the ways that we testify or show our commitment is through our actions. The actions don't make something true, but it shows that what's in my heart is coming out. Is everyone with me this morning? You can get into some weird theology, so I'm just making sure we're all on the same track here. Saying if you get baptized, it's like, no, you're saved, shabam. Just like, you know, if I put a ring on some person's finger, it doesn't mean we're married, right? There has to be a heart covenant, and then the symbol is showing what's happening in my heart. I'm going to invite the band up this morning. I think all the time my, my question for people, because I think we overthink it, and I think it's the only bad part. Uh, I, I, I try to be more irreverent, but I'm kind of prone to this, like, um, irreverence. Like, if I'm on a, out on a mission and someone's, like, 
they give their heart for Jesus, man, I'll dunk them right there, like mid-prayer for salvation, just because I see them so united. And we've gone through this process where we just put so many chains and holds and things on, on religious things. And someone told you at one point you got to take six classes before you can be baptized. I'm not saying don't learn things. I go through a master's program. I understand learning is important. I'm not saying that. I'm saying don't let all the, the questions in our heart restrict what God's moving in our life. And we as a church, I think, have put roadblocks into people. And we personally put roadblocks into people like, oh, I don't know if I can get baptized because I don't, I don't have clothes. Like, really? Like Jesus transformed your life. <laughs> You're worried about shorts. Like God wants to do a work and a movement. And, and I, I just have always firmly believed that if you have found the hope and love of Jesus Christ, or if you want to know the hope, life, and love of a living God who loves you, who cares for you, who died for you, who took your sin and shame. Psalm says those who look to the face are, are never covered with shame. Their faces are radiant when they look to God. And I really believe that if we have received that love from a living God, if we have received that, or if we're saying, God, I, I want that. I'm tired of living for myself. Turns out it didn't work out like I want. And, and I want the new life. I want life with Jesus. I want hope. His mercies are new every day. That sounds great, God. I want some of that in my life. I want to follow you. I'm tired of following me. I want to follow you. No matter if you've made that or want to make that choice, I believe that in that moment when you step back and you give your full heart to Jesus, then it's like, okay, now what? Now what are you going to do? Now what are you going to do? What are you going to show that, that you're serious about it, that you want it, that you, that you need it? And I love what the Ethiopian says. Carson talked about him in, in uh, Acts. He says, see, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? I really believe this morning, if you love Jesus with your full heart, if you give him your full heart, you say, Jesus, my full heart is yours. Here's what keeps you from being baptized. Here's what keeps you from stepping in to the life of fullness, a full home, of freedom, no longer a slave, but raised up in a new life. Here's what keeps you from it. Are you ready? You. That's the only thing that keeps you from that is that you feel like you got to put on some kind of pretense show for the people of this church that barely even know you. And Jesus is saying, oh, man, don't you want a new life? Don't you want freedom? Don't you want hope? Don't you want that this morning? And I love it when people make that choice to do that because it can be like a little overwhelming and scary because it's like, oh, my gosh, this is a big thing. And it is a big thing. I, I love when people make, I, I do a lot of things as a pastor. Baptism is one of my favorite because I, some of these people we've just been praying for and believing for. It's like, man, new life, new life, new life. And this morning, I want to encourage you. We're going to do a baptism in just a second. Just a second. <laughs> uh, just one second. I, and I'm going to encourage you. If you, this is new for me. I don't know if I've ever offered this, but if you want to get baptized this morning, if you've given your heart to Christ and you're saying, I want to step into that new life, uh, I'm going to open it up once we do the first baptism. I'm going to open it up. Um, I brought some extra shirts if you're wearing what we would consider a light-colored shirt. <laughs> uh, and some extra towels and different things. It's 110 degrees outside. If you get wet, just go stand out there for four and a half minutes. You'll be fine. <laughs> That's a great thing. It's normally 30 when I do baptisms. This is perfect. Uh, 
but I just want to give you that opportunity. I'm going to put on a show for everybody. But if you feel like this morning, you're saying, I want to be raised from my old to my new and step into really walking with Jesus to make that commitment that Jesus is my Lord and Savior, that I want to walk with him in the hope in life, I'm going to open it up for you. you're going to get baptized. I always want to open that up. We're going to start doing baptisms every month, but I'm always going to open it up because never let a moment go by. If you feel like it's supposed to be your moment or you feel like a push, it is your moment. Don't let it go by. I cannot guarantee you what's going to happen when I finish this word, let alone when you go outside this building. Never let a moment go by because we want to celebrate with you. Amen. Amen. Let's do this. Would you bow your heads with me? We're going to pray and then I'm going to invite Deanna up this morning. God, we thank you that you're with us. God, I pray right now for those that have yet to make that decision, who are really wrestling with it. And right now they're working kind of through the excuses and the religious things. Maybe someone has spoken some really religious things over them, or maybe as a kid, someone made that decision for them, but they've really wrestled with never having made that choice themselves. God, I pray, would you just move on their heart right now? There's a freedom in this place. There's no pretense. There's no show. There's no performance. This is just real. God, we, we're just family here. And so God, I pray uh, that you would just move on their heart in this moment. And if someone in this place feels like this is their moment to be raised out of the old into the new. God, I pray that you would move in their life. In Jesus' name.